0: yeah so as you we were gone, you know i uh went down there with some friends and of Christina's and mostly had uh, mostly uh coworkers and uh <laughs> you know the 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 margaritas go down easily there. you were
1: sending me some text messages uh some interesting text messages that <laughs> night over there
0: well i think I, <laughs> I think <laughs> I sent you one and and you know i I figured I
1: got I, the hint <laughs> I forgot how to use my phone at some point I don't know huh. Ha! <laughs> yeah, we did that ourselves one time when we were down there. It's been a few years now. We went down there and for a little happy hour, and if I remember correctly, it it res- resulted in your now wife having to come down and pick you up. Well, she joined us first. I mean, you have to come in and have a couple. Well, I mean, I think the
0: story was that a couple hours in, I called her, and I think I, I had ridden my bike from my previous job down there. And uh wasn't feeling the ability to ride the bike home. <laughs> so I, uh, so I called her to join us and she was like, why the fuck are you calling me uh, two hours after you've been there? She's like, you've already eaten. You've already, you know, you probably are ready to go. Why would I come join you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a nice gesture. The real ask was like, I need a ride home, but I can't just ask for that. So you should join yeah, exactly, us. Exactly. Right. And,
0: uh, apparently she picked up on a little, uh, speech slurring that was going on and so she's like oh now now i understand the real reason i thought we were doing great
1: Coffee Codecast episode four, buddy. Let's kick it off.
0: Hey, we made it Holy four smokes. episodes. How about that?
1: A growing fan base.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're picking up users right and left,
1: man. It's good to be back. It's been a little while. It's been, what, a couple weeks probably since we did this last time?
0: Yeah, I think the last episode we published was on the 31st, so it's been a while. So welcome back.
1: Good to be here. Who, uh,.
0: I was going to ask you this when you were in the office. Who watched your dogs while you were gone? Because that was you were gone for a while anyway, and then you, you kind of had some unexpected additional time. So did you have them kenneled, or what happened there?
1: No, they stayed at the house. Uh, they stayed at the apartment. I have been in, in San Francisco for about 50 days now, probably. And uh, my, my dogs have been there more than I have. I've only been there for probably 20-ish. <laughs> and so... My dogs have a very nice apartment in mission Bay uh, nice. <laughs> that I get yeah. to stay and visit. I get to come and visit whenever I want. It's a pretty sweet deal, man. They would hey, in. I and- mean, that's pretty nice of you to give them a San Francisco pad. Well, they're good dogs. Usually yeah. one of them is the other one's a little fucker, but you know, still love them too. We did have, we did have some people we Lauren being the, the networker, she is, found some, found a couple in the apartment that, uh, you know, could come in and take care of him while we were gone. So that was very nice. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Is this, uh, are we in the uh, airing for airing of grievances section yet?
0: <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I didn't even know this <laughs> <from> the section.
1: <laughs> I don't know if it is either, but maybe it needs to, it needs to happen right now.
0: All right. Well, I mean, let her loose. If you got it, that'll, that'll be a good thing to bring people in. Now that I posted it on Facebook and it's on Twitter and people are just joining the rant, we need to, we need to hear a rant. So yeah, let her, let her rip, man.
1: Yeah, you know we're getting into holiday season anyway, and I think Festivus is coming up soon here. I don't remember exactly the time frame, but they have the airing of grievances for all my Seinfeld people out there. You know. Ah,
0: uh, uh, see, yeah. I'm not a Seinfeld guy. I wasn't aware oh. of
1: that. Oh my gosh, man! Yeah, uh, it's a real thing. If you're, it's from Seinfeld. My griev—no, here's the deal, man. Here's the deal. So I have the Pixel 2. We talked about that before. I love the phone. I actually talked to somebody that has the 2XL. and He hasn't had any of the problems that have been purported with this thing. He showed it to me. It looks really, really cool. Very good. Very nice. No, the whole grievance is that Google said that they announced when the phone came out that they would buy back other phones, right? Like you'd get $150 back for, I don't know. You get you could get a few hundred bucks back if you had the the six X or six P yeah, the six P get some money for the five X. So they had a trade in program. kind of upgrade program, yeah. Yeah, they had a trade in program. And so I'm waiting for my kit to arrive and I don't see my kit, you know, they're supposed to send me a return box for this thing. I had the phones wiped and ready to go and put back in the original box. No kit. And it's getting close to it's been a month probably almost. That's there's a thirty day cap on that. So I went out to Google Tech Support, which is just a thrill. If you haven't done that before, I recommend you <laughs> don't check it out. Uh, and and yeah, it as it turns out, uh, I filled out a form for a trade in, but somehow it wasn't tied to my order, and so um they're they won't honor the trade in because it has to be tied to the order. You can't. Uh, you not only does it have to be tied to the order, you have to specify during checkout that you're, you know, checking out a kit and a new phone. So I don't know what form I found. I think I just found a separate form. And when I was on Project Fi, it gave me a link to say, hey, trade in your phone. And I I did that, but it didn't have anything to do with ordering. So I thought, you know, I'll just order the phone. And naturally, because I have two of these five X's in my account currently, they're going to be deactivated. Then those will be eligible for trade in. But but no, because I didn't do it at the same time of purchase, there is no kit coming and there will be no trade ins happening uh, either. So I was very upset.
0: That's pretty interesting considering the last episode you were talking about how their support is very helpful and useful and
1: forgiving whereas it sounds like maybe their sales department is not. Maybe I was maybe I was still drunk on that episode or I could have been <laughs> mistaken for Amazon. Cuz Amazon has great support.
0: Maybe. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you can't get an app. You can't get an Amazon phone anymore.
1: Yeah, well, that's too bad.
0: <laughs> is it though? I don't know.
1: Oh, uh, here's the thing. They have, they've been very proactive. The Project Fi team has at least. So there was not an, any time and there's you yeah, know there was an outage. There were some things they miscalculated my data usage. They'll they'll give out little refunds and do things like that, which is very nice. But, uh, you know, so like the automated stuff is fine. But then you've got this. This is a big deal, and the guy even told me he was escalating the request, and he said this is ha- a very common problem. This isn't just a small segment of the. Nexus folks, this is happening to. There's a lot of people out there that are having this issue as well. It's very confusing how the trade-in is supposed to work. Huh. Well, I, I, I've i been debating
0: a little bit with myself here off and on about upgrading, whether I want to upgrade to either, <clears throat> excuse me, the iPhone. What the hell do we have? Eight or 10? 10, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, there's another one too, right? There's the eight, I think as well. Eight, eight plus 10. I don't, what are they all? Some Something like that. I did get to see in the office, uh, we have some people that have the iPhone 10, so I was able to get my hands on that and it is pretty slick. I got to admit, uh, it's really tall, um, almost uncomfortably tall, you know, it's the same kind of width as the iPhone seven. Uh, but they've added a ton of height because they've gotten rid of the top and bottom bezels. So, but it's, yeah, it feels a little bit strange. It's a slightly heavier feeling cause it's glass. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool to see it. Pretty cool to try it. It's a little bit of a a learning curve just because they've removed some of the gestures as they've gotten rid of the home button. But overall, it seems pretty slick.
1: I I had a chance to check it out in AT&T store last week. And it's it does. It's it's nice. The the plus the plus is massive. Uh, I, I had a hard time with the eight plus the 10. The 10 was great.
0: I actually was listening to another show. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and and they kind of made a good point that this, the 10, and I think the 8 has wireless charging as well, but this generation of phones uh, feels like the more more logical kickoff point that they should have removed the headphone jack. And the reasoning for that is because now you can, in addition to being wirelessly charging, you can also plug in the dongle to to plug in your headphones. So you couldn't do that before without an additional dongle. right. You would have to have a dongle that would do power and and your headphone jack so they were like this makes sense now this is a logical step at this point to have removed that port and you know in the history of apple they've been very very good at that they removed the ports kind of at a very logical time in the in the evolution of the yes. hardware uh, and he was like this this feels like the logical time they could they should have done that not the previous generation which
1: i thought that was an interesting point and i and i totally agree it's a good point i i agree also I don't have a headphone jack on the pixel two. they remove those, and you know I don't usually charge my phone i don't I don't have that problem yet. The battery life's been very good. I charge it in the you know overnight and then it's good all day, but I could see how that'd be a problem, and it would be very nice if they just introduced the wireless charging with it. That'd be cool. The pixel two doesn't have wireless charging i I thought it did for some reason. Oh does it? I don't know maybe I'm missing out. <laughs> I have no idea it's not my uh it's not my space. No, it does not. It does not. Uh, that's They're pulling the same thing with Apple. It's going to be another release. I get to buy the Pixel 3 for $900 and get wireless charging maybe next time.
0: All right. Well, let's get into some follow-up, should we? Follow-up. Well, you got the remarkable tablet in your hand. You've used it now for about a week. A little bit yes. of a week.
1: So tell me about it. What do you think? What are your thoughts? This is a fun, fun digital tablet. I'm having a lot of fun with the remarkable so far. Uh, it's my, it's, it gets a good review from me. It's looks like it's uses the e-ink technology. So it kind of looks like a larger, like an oversized Kindle. It's probably the best way to describe it. It's an oversized Kindle It, is, it kind of resembles a pad of paper. Uh, let me ha- let me take a look at, I have a pad of paper right here in terms of the dimensions. Yeah, a little a little smaller than a normal pad of paper, but pretty darn Yeah, close. I would say they're very similar in size, just using it, you know, the brief time I did in the office there. It's very nice. It has three buttons on the front, uh, a power button on the top, kind of a power sleep button, so you can actually just sleep, snooze it if you're, you want to save battery and you're not taking notes right now. Uh Yeah, there's the main screen. When you get into the main screen, it has a few different uh, organization categories. It'll break it down into notebooks, uh, documents, and eBooks. And so it supports PDF and EPUB files at this point. More to come later, but that's the initial release has two supports for those two files. And so if you have EPUBs that are not uh, digital rights managed, like Amazon eBooks, or if you um, Find tutorials that might or may not exist online on how to convert those ebooks. You can do that and put those on your remarkable tablet. Uh, and and I have some digital subscriptions to some magazines, so I threw some of those on there. I could download those, put them on, and I'm I'm very impressed. Uh, I've been taking notes on it all week. I've been taking better notes. I'm a better note taker now than I was before because what happened is that I like the moleskin example when I have my single moleskin. I'm taking all kinds of different notes and I don't have a really good organization system for it. So maybe for example, my team stand up every day that that might happen in the morning, every morning, but then I'm taking notes for other meetings and taking personal notes or whatever to do lists. And so my previous day's notes might be a page or two or three back and I'm not exactly sure where it is and it's kind of hard to keep it together. Well, with this, I just have a stand up notebook. And I have a few pages in there and I'm able to, I, I put today's date right where I left off. So I'm able to go back at a glance and see what happened yesterday. What did we talk about yesterday? And I can go back a screen and see what happened last week. It's very nice for continuity. So I'm able to keep everything relevant in one space and create as many notebooks as I want. So Given that, your stand-ups, I would imagine your standup notebook
0: is about full by
1: now, right? <laughs> it's getting full. We, we have, a, we have a, a new thing in Agile. I don't know for you techies, I would like to hear how your companies handle this, but we we have a very new state of the art agile methodology called the sit down stand up takes about <laughs> 45 to 60 minutes every day. And it's, it's very slow. It's kind of like passing the yarn at Thanksgiving or something like that. Uh, you know, everybody, everybody gets to share until they're done and we get to come back to people and, uh, you know, Yeah, you
0: should like, uh, implement some kind of game that you guys can play while you're <laughs> While you're sitting around the couches there just to keep everybody interested.
1: Yeah. That's the first problem. It's at our very plush lounge couches that we have in the, in the area that doesn't, that doesn't get people motivated to get the hell out of there. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a little different. Maybe I just need to get like, we need to get some boards with some nails and make people stand on them barefoot or something. That'll get us out of there in about five minutes. Um, <laughs>
0: So as far as the remarkable, the the writing experience, I felt was really, really good. There was just a touch of delay, um, which I think you're going to have with any kind of writing surface like that. As far as uh, the accuracy and, and the precision that the the pen for that thing has, it was pretty solid. I felt even on a pretty narrow lined rule of paper that it presents on the screen, you were able to write in those lines pretty easily without any kind of weirdness occurring. The, the question that i was kind of wondering as you filled out the page the, the device itself has a little bit of thickness to it I, you know i don't know it's maybe half an inch thick or something like that
1: if not uh, even maybe that. it's probably closer to a little a little between a quarter and a half three, okay. three eighths. i don't know
0: so as your as your hand kind of bleeds off to the edge of the screen or the bottom of the screen is that does that feel a little bit strange because The idea of this product was to kind of be as close to paper as as possible. And of course, paper is pretty much completely flat on the surface, whereas obviously this could not emulate that. So I was curious as to how, once you get to the right side of the page
1: or the bottom of the page, how that, how that feels or works. Yep. I tried that and it's very good. It goes right to the edge. It doesn't do any funky screen rendering, compression, weird stuff where it's, you know, it's, it goes to the edge. It's a hot edge. I don't know what the term is but it, it, it's great
0: but in terms of feel you know um like your hand hanging off kind of a quarter inch cliff you know does that feel a little bit strange
1: or no no not really i think of it just like a regular notepad if it's a brand new notepad you're going to have some thickness maybe not as much as the remarkable does but certainly some some thickness and it, it doesn't feel any different than using a pad that's of paper. fair i guess like, yeah if you're using your moleskin you. then yeah you're going to have a little bit of a drop
0: off there as well as you get to the edge.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so this device we covered it before, but it's it's a very robust and primitive, I would say, device. It isn't an all-in-one. It isn't an iPad with apps that you download, at least not yet. It's it's a digital notepad that takes notes and a reader so you can read read those notes and read your documents that you have in those formats I mentioned. And that's it. It doesn't really do a whole lot else. It has but it has a very nice palette of pen and pencil and highlighters and different thicknesses and tips. So you can customize that however you want. You can, uh, one thing I would love is that when I'm reading some of my magazines, I can take notes on the magazine so I can underline, I can circle things I can highlight, which is really interactive. It That experience to me is what makes it so special because before I wanted the physical copy to, t- to write notes. It's just how I capture things is, you know, even just reading reading the news I want to be able to scribble on 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 something and now I can do that
0: that's pretty cool and you were mentioning too you can change kind of what kind of paper you're using right so you could switch to graph paper or lined paper
1: or probably yes, no paper I'm sure many templates you can go blank or line college rule Cornell note style yes they have many many templates they they were even exploring ways to do your own custom templates so if you have a certain format you like you can do that. That would be cool. I, I
0: kind so. of think to myself, uh, I have a moleskin. I don't really use anymore cause I use software to do this now, but, um, I had a moleskin that would do recipes. So it has kind of a recipe template, uh, built into it. So, uh, you know, stuff like that, that they could kind of cater to, you know, particular formats like that would be pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's fun. The battery life could be improved, and I've seen some updates already that it's going to be a software thing they push that can improve the the update, uh, the battery life. I got through a a day with it pretty easily, but I had it yesterday at the coffee shop, so I had charged it the day before, used it some that evening or whatever, and took it to the coffee shop, and I think by the end of the afternoon there, I was down to 20% or something. So,
0: you would think being e-ink, it shouldn't be that
1: battery heavy, but... I'm not sure what, what that's about Maybe they have, they probably have a beefier processor in there than your Kindle or something. I'm sure. And, uh, but you know, I think, I don't think it was hurried. I think that it's a good V1. It's a good first product. I, I do see though holes there in, in areas for improvement and I imagine that they probably had to sacrifice some features just to get the thing out without much more delay. But it wasn't it wasn't a half-assed product either. I think it was ready for for the mainstream. Definitely looking forward though to some improvements. One thing that because it is a very natural experience, one thing that I found myself wanting to do, um, I had a pencil. I was using a pencil on there, uh, which is a cool effect as well because it looks like a pencil. But anyway, I wanted to erase it. And so I flipped the pen over the stylus over and try to erase and no dice. It doesn't work. And so you have to go into the navigation and select the eraser and then, you know, erase the thing.
0: Yep. I had thought that actually when I was looking at it, I kind of, I
1: was thinking that was a pretty big missed opportunity, you know? It, it is. It's something that's very natural. I think a lot of people that would, would want to try to do that and then be, you know, it's just a little more work. It's there's multiple steps now to erase. Yep. So that could be improved. Uh, there's some other things that could be improved too. The the buttons, the left right buttons are they they are elevated somewhat off the notepad on the front. These are the ones that are at the bottom. Yeah, and they're meant meant for navigation. The middle one goes is a home button like the iPhone home. You got your left and right for previous next in the notebook. And you know
0: what happens. The more I think about that, those buttons being at the bottom, that's kind
1: of a poor design decision. It it's been, there's been some interference. I've not a lot, but a couple of times I've been writing something at the bottom of the page and bump it and then it switches the page. Yep. Also in sleep mode, when you tap the power button to put it into sleep, when I push that into the, I got the little felt or the wool sleeve for the thing which is a very nice sleeve. Actually, I really like it. It's a little gray wool sleeve with a liner, but I had some other documents in there because that's what I was carrying around the other day to the coffee shop. I had some real paper in there and it was a little squeezed for space. And when I was trying to put the notepad in there, it bumped the button and it took it out of sleep. So that could be another reason why the battery life is diminished is that I could have had it in there awake the whole time and not known for a couple hours or something. Sure. Maybe it, maybe it goes to sleep after 15 minutes. I, I don't really know. Uh, the other, the other little gotcha there too, is the bri- there is no brightness setting that I could find on the device anywhere. So what you see is what you get. There is no adjustment, which uh, like I was on the airplane taking notes and reading some stuff and there is no backlight. So that could be a, a future enhancement. A backlight would be very nice. Yeah. Is there any
0: kind of such thing as, as brightness, pers- you know, on an e-ink display? I don't think there is such a thing. I mean, you could definitely backlight it. Yeah, but I don't think there's such a thing as
1: brightness. No, that's just it. That's what I'm saying is I think I think I would have liked to have a a backlight or something because it's just uh, it's it's difficult. Yeah, I had the light on in the plane. It was dim. It was a night flight. So the lights were off. I had my light on. It was fine. But then the lady next to me kept moving her head and blocking blocking my damn view. (laughs) Get out the way. Uh, I'll uh, I'll leave it at that. It's a great product right now. I'm very happy, very pleased. It was worth the wait. The good folks at Remarkable did, did a very nice job with this one, and I and I can't wait to see what comes out in future releases. If it, I have no doubt it's going to be a radically different and enhanced product in in another few months, in a year, even as they keep building it out.
0: Well, let's move on to uh, another piece of follow up that I. I think this was from episode number one, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, what happened to Windows 9? This was something that you kind of brought up on an aside. Uh, I think we were talking about the iPhone 10 at the time. And you kind of had inquired about why do people skip 9 in general? And then we kind of went on a tangent about was there a Windows 9? Well, no, there was not. That's right. Uh, And... Yeah, it was exactly as we explained. It was, they wanted coming off Windows 8, which wasn't the most popular change in the world. They wanted to make it appear that it's a major update. So they just went ahead and skipped over 9 and went directly to 10 and made it appear that it's, you know, a larger update than maybe it really was. Interesting. Yeah, so, so I think the other thing that was that was the major difference too that they wanted to signify such a major rapid change is that Windows 10 was the first one that's that was the UI basically flowed across to all devices. I think that was the other major change that they wanted to kind of really differentiate 10 from 8 in that way. So
1: ah, uh, the phone, that was just
0: the tablet. Yep, yep, exactly. Bringing the what do they call that Metro design? I think they call it to all the devices yes. Continued. And all their applications. They kind of had everything, everything doing the same type of thing, which was good. I think.
1: Yeah. We'll have to go from pot. We'll skip our ninth episode and we'll go right to 10. It'll be a big one.
0: <laughs> we should do that just as a, <laughs> just as a, as a gag. Yeah, let's do it. I think it's, I think it's done. We're It's a, it a major time. upgrade from nine to 10 of the coffee code cast.
1: Yeah. And on that note, I didn't really say anything at the show opening, but just want to let, let anybody out there that listens to know that we will be back in more of a routine fashion here with the publishing I had some personal events going on at home, and I had to take care of uh, you know, unfortunately a death in the family and that sort of thing, and so I was gone for you know a chunk of time there for a week and a half, but the plan is to still be publishing content pushing shows twice a week, and we're gonna get back on the saddle here with this one and 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 get it going again. And I think we even had some ideas of how we could maybe have a little backup just in case something like that happens again. One of us can't be around. Then we'll have a little bit of a filler that we can pop in there to keep, keep people's interest peaked. Are you talking about a best of show? Oh, I think we need a couple more for that to happen. <laughs> At least one or two for the highlight reel. There you I go. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give Simon something good to listen to. He's a, he's a listener. He was a listener a loyal for the first fan. few anyway. Loyal fan. If we had shirts to give away, he'd be the first one to get a shirt, but we don't have any shirts, so yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe sometime. some swag. Yeah, we don't have a swag yet. We've, we'll have to get some swag, and we can send it to our friend Simon down there, the old Starbucks. He's a, he's a Starbucks guy. We could work a trade with him, maybe. maybe. we could trade some swag for some coffee beans down there. Hey, there you for go. For a spin coffee Coffee
0: code cast, as you've told before. <laughs>
1: What else we got on uh, going on here, man? We were we're about thirty minutes into this, right? Well, we got Firefox Quantum was released
0: uh, a couple of days ago. Oh boy! So yeah, I was a Firefox user once upon a time uh, before Chrome came out um, and kind of dominated the browser market. I was a huge Firefox guy. They were the first browser that really kind of adopted plugins and and had a really good suite of debug
1: tools. They were the the best at debugging before Chrome. That was the that was the standard. You weren't doing that in IE. That's for damn yeah. sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, IE eight or seven oh. or whatever the hell six. Maybe. Oh,
1: that's a dirty word. Don't talk about IE six on <laughs> the show. As a do the CSS and styling and the JavaScript nightmares that we had on IE six. Ugh. <laughs>
0: yeah. I I don't know if you knew this because this was actually maybe when you were out of the the business for a while, but there was actually a time. Where businesses were implementing what they called an IE tax, have you heard of this? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, <laughs> because of the because of the time that you had to devote to coding specifically for IE six and seven specifically, if you were using one of those browsers, because I think back in the day, even at the Nebraska Medical Center, we we put a banner at the top that said, "Hey, you're using a dated browser. Update your shit." <laughs> we were less elegant about about that yeah you remember doing that yes. so instead of that what people started to do is they in in if you were an ecom they would actually apply an additional tax to you that was called the i e tax so if you were using if they detected that you were using i e six or seven you would get an additional tax at checkout to pay for the additional development time <laughs> that was required to <laughs> which i thought was a pretty brilliant move but you know we moved on from that but it was a it was an interesting move to to recoup the because at the time, you know, people were spending 50% of their time developing specifically for those browsers because you had to put in tons of hacks and tons of specific styles for IE 6 and 7 because they didn't adhere to standard. No. So uh, it was a
1: valid reason to do it. It was just an interesting way to implement. Well, it, yeah, it was a, g- a clever idea. I didn't know they were doing that. And, and sadly, they probably didn't even come close to recuperating their costs with that either because that was such a pain. <laughs> That's, oh.
0: So anyway, Firefox Quantum was released. Um it's supposed to be a huge speed increase from Firefox and even Chrome, they claim. Uh, it's supposed to also be a battery life saver. Uh, it's supposed to be way better on battery life. It's supposed to be multi-threaded. Um, it's supposed to have its own garbage cleanup. Yada, 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 yada. So I went ahead and installed this. I gave it a run for a couple days on both my desktop and my mobile. So I tied both devices to it. And, as far as the mobile goes, I was actually pretty impressed. The mobile experience was really, really good. I really enjoyed the read feature um, so uh Safari for those people that are on an iPhone already have this you know you can pull up any web page, click one button, and it it reformats it to a to a reading, reading function mode. so it's you know, yeah, exactly. so it's a good font to read, good size, you know, removes all the distraction, and that sort of thing. And I actually really enjoy that about the Firefox Quantum. Um, However, on the desktop, it was a bit of a different experience. It does have the reading mode there. But what I was starting to see was uh, incredible memory spikes on my machine. So I run a a pretty beefy laptop uh, for programming purposes. And there was a point uh, running Firefox where it was consuming, gosh, I don't know, almost 40% of the memory in my machine that was available. And so I had to kill it. And, you know, I I chalked that up to it maybe being just kind of a memory leak one time. Restarted it up, ran some things for a while, maybe 30 minutes. And there again, it was back up to using 40%, 50% of my memory on my machine. So at that point, I was just kind of like, you know, I can't I can't let this continue. I can't let this run this way. It's My machine's just like on fire at this point. So I shut it down and I haven't used it really since. I've used
1: it on the mobile off and on, but not on the desktop. So. Well, I appreciate the tip on mobile. I'm going to try it out because I had a similar shitty experience on desktop. I downloaded it. I got really giddy thinking, ooh, I might go to Firefox Quantum now. And uh, I just found the load time for me was slower. I don't know. I tried it a few different times. I don't I don't think the load was anything impressive on the desktop for me. And yeah, I, I didn't check the memory. But my overall experience, I just wasn't pleased. I thought Chrome was still the better desktop browser in my limited Yep unscientific experiment over there for a few days. So
0: (laughs) yeah, I can't claim mine was totally scientific. However, I will say that I did measure the memory levels between Chrome and Firefox and although Chrome is consuming a pretty substantial amount of memory more in fact, than I even realized, uh,
1: Firefox definitely is doing far more. Wow. Yeah. Chrome, you know, if Chrome can take a lot of memory at each tab. You get a lot of tabs going, then you got the Hangouts thing at the bottom and all these other, you know, pretty much you need to have eight gigs of RAM just to run Chrome. out. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, just to give it a fair comparison right now, I
0: mean, <laughs> when I look at the Chrome task, you know, it's maybe using, uh, what do we got? Perhaps a thousand megabytes. So I guess that'd be a gig. Yeah. So, and then I look at the screenshot that's at the bottom of our show notes of the, the one that I sent to you of when I was testing with Firefox and that thing's using two and a half gig at least just for that one process, probably almost three when you count all of the different processes that it's running. So. Damn. <laughs> yeah. So I, w- I was a little less than impressed with that. I'm hoping that maybe in some subsequent updates, they'll uh, fix a little bit of that a little more. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But
1: Kyle, I'm running 21 uh, threads, processes, 21 Chrome items, units of work, 1.7 gigs. gigs, almost two gigs of RAM. Yeah, got a lot going on in there. It's not
0: too bad. Oh, one quick pause here. Somebody just rang my doorbell. Let's uh, check my ring here and see who the hell it is. Just use your Amazon. You have your Amazon
1: key. Mailman can come in.
0: (laughs) It is a package and it is a delivery. So I do not have the key. And so I cannot let them in. But all right. Good to know I don't have to run down my four flights of stairs and answer the door. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. So Firefox quantum, you know, I was very excited. Like you were, I was kind of giddy. I tried. you know, I wanted to install it and I wanted to really, really like it. Cause you know, like back in the day, uh, kind of when we were working together, that was the browser of choice and that's what you used to do everything. And I was kind of hoping that they were back in the game and doing some cool shit. But, uh, unfortunately it looks like it's not, uh, at least for me, it's not ready for primetime. Not yet. Well, I'm going to try it out on
1: my mobile and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I enjoy the mobile. The mobile seems pretty snappy. It's uh, I like I love the reading mode, actually. Uh, it integrates natively with Pocket, which I use to kind of store uh, read for later items. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, so yeah, I've been pretty happy. And, and migrating everything from Chrome, or not migrating, copying everything from Chrome, including even some... some passwords and so forth uh was was a breeze that was no problem at all so
1: yeah similarly I had LastPass. I used that on chrome and I was able to get the plug in for firefox and get that set up very quickly so that was nice that helped me get into some stuff uh, that was that was probably the more positive experience I had with it did you run through their desktop migration of
0: your content from chrome to firefox so all your bookmarks and that sort
1: of thing no I wasn't that confident in it yet i didn't want to give it over (laughs) you didn't want to give up your data i didn't want to turn it over to the firefox to the moz in our note in our show notes in the links i would recommend take a look at the mozilla article that talks about quantum and the underlying development they did because uh you know i'm i don't have a great experience on desktop right now but what they did is really impressive in terms of how they are handling uh parallelism in and rendering in the browser uh they've done some really cool things there to speed up the rendering uh engine the dom uh their stylo is their css engine i don't know can i just throw engine on the end of all this? stylo thing? stylo quantum css quantum renderer uh it's a really great it's a very great article the greatest nah. Sound like Trump over here. It's the greatest. <laughs> it's, it's tremendous. Biggest.
0: Next up, we got the Apple HomePod, which uh, was just... What the hell is that? <laughs> what the hell is that? Apple makes HomePods? What the hell? Um, HomePod. HomePod is uh, Apple's uh, response to the Google Home and the Amazon Alexa devices. So this would be working with Siri. So this is kind of Apple's foray into the smart assistant world, other than just on the phone. Uh, But also that it, if you have multiple of these devices, that they can, they're aware of each other and they'll adjust the sound uh, kind of to the space and be, to, to make a better sound environment uh, between devices. So um, if they bounce uh, certain sounds off of each other and they return in certain patterns, they'll kind of adjust the way that it sends the sound out to, to, provide a really, really beautiful uh, soundscape in the room. That's playing claim anyway. So so yeah, they announced these things, uh, at the I think it was at WWDC, um, and claimed that they would be available in December. And a recent report, many reports actually, and I believe it came directly from Apple, is that they're going to be delayed until early 2018, which to me isn't really surprising. Um, you didn't really hear anything about these things other than at WDC, and what they did show there was Really, really kind of vague. it was a lot of like you know video material. It wasn't like they had one on the stage that they were interacting with heavily or something like that, so I think they have a lot to do with these devices um, not only that, but I think they're here again, like we talked about in the previous podcast is they're incredibly behind uh they're bringing something to the market that uh you know Amazon already dominates, and Google is playing in, and uh another player in the space is Sonos. I don't know what they're trying to prove with this. I mean, I know they're just trying to get the get something into the space and use their Siri
1: pl- platform, but I, it's too little too late, I think. We'll see. I, I haven't been following it, but uh, who knows? I, given uh, some of my critiques of the other Apple stuff, I, I would like to see what happens here. Yeah, I think
0: uh, if they can, I, I don't know. I just don't feel that, you know, given the openness of Amazon and Google to bring other platforms onto their services you know i don't i don't know that i feel that this home pod is going to be a great success they're going to pimp their 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 apple music uh so people so for people that are in the amazon sorry the apple ecosystem this is probably going to be a pretty solid product for them but anybody else you know that wants to play in multiple environments i, I don't feel how i don't see how they're going to compete i do feel like a company that had recently in my opinion been really really down which is sonos who i I own many Sonos products. I actually love Sonos. I really, really love Sonos for a while there. I was kind of wondering if that company was going to die on the vine a little bit. They really weren't producing any new products. They weren't announcing anything new at all, no software updates. And then suddenly they come out with a Amazon integrated speaker. So they have an Alexa integrated speaker. Uh, you can hook your Amazon Alexa up even if you have just like the little puck device. Um, the Echo Dot, it can control your Sonos devices. So they're, they've announced that they're going to integrate with AirPlay 2. They've announced that they're going to integrate with uh, the Google platform, uh, whatever the hell that's called. So they're doing a lot of cool things. And I think that's the right move is just make your make your platform kind of all inclusive and whatever you want to use on it, use on it. Because really what their deal is, they're a good speaker company, right? They're not, they're not going to create these personal assistants. So I think it's pretty brilliant of them to integrate with all of them.
1: It's a beautiful sounding speaker. I've I've listened to the small one, whatever that is. The what is it? The play play one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and then well, I've listened to a few different ones because you have you have some stuff your place that's a little different. But it, every my experience has been very very good, and I I've thought more and more lately about going down that road, especially with the Alexa integration out now. It's a compelling product to look at, and it sounds beautiful. In a small little footprint, yep, and the missing component was
0: Spotify, so what you can you can control currently well, they're doing a couple things. number one, you can control Sonos directly from apps now. you used to have to use the Sonos controller app, so it was very particular to Sonos, they controlled everything, but now you can actually from your Spotify you can pick speakers almost like as if you were picking. Uh, a way to cast it to some other device. So you just say, it'll see all the different uh, speakers that you have in your room by name. So I could say, oh, send this to my living room speaker or send it to my kitchen speaker or something to that effect. So they've implemented that with Spotify. Uh, uh, Pandora just announced the same thing. I think they just released that Uh, and they're integrating with many other services. So, and then on the other side of it with the Alexa devices, you can currently control... Amazon. I think it's the Amazon music service. And I think one other, but Spotify is coming soon. Um, I think within probably before the end of the year. So they're doing really cool things. I think they're doing all the right moves. So I hope that, uh, pays dividends for them. Uh, but again, I don't, I don't, I don't feel the Apple product is going to make any kind of splash in the market. I feel like maybe Apple nerds are going to get it, but I don't, I, yeah, I just don't see their
1: play here. To be continued next year. <laughs> I, <laughs> Next year, I did have a note on Apple since we're on the topic. For the uh, those of you out there that are into streaming now, ditching cable and doing streaming services, they're having a pretty cool promotion with Directv Now going on this holiday season. I don't know when it expires, but uh, go to Directv Now. They were giving out Roku sticks for free. Um, they have a new package. It's a, if you buy four months of their basic DirecTV Now service for 35 bucks a month, uh, then you get a free Apple TV 4K.
0: Wow, that's not a bad price. And the DirecTV Now, what does that include? Is that a kind of a base, like almost like as a, as a satellite, or is it a, di- a completely different package?
1: Yeah, it's all streaming channels, they have different packages, but yeah, you can get. 60 plus live channels for 35 bucks a month. There's no annual contract. There's an, you know, it's an app on Apple TV. It's just an app. It's just an app for, you don't need the box. It's a little different than their satellite service. It's all streaming channels. Wow. That's,
0: that's amazing. I, you know, I'm glad that, that the cable companies are finally moving in that direction. It's about,
1: it's uh, about time. Yeah. They don't have much of a choice now. They have to do it. Otherwise they're going to be out of business. Everybody's moving over that way. So the catch is that I think you buy an annual, it's not really a catch. It's a great deal because the Apple TV 4k is going to be run, run. you what? 150 bucks or something, 180 bucks. Um, and so I think you have to pay for uh, their basic package for a year. And there was some kind of deal where that was going to cost you about 89, 95 plus tax or something like that. I don't know for the, for the, Less than the price, less than the cost of an Apple TV 4K, you can get yourself um, a streaming, you know, DirecTV now streaming service.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty good deal. We'll, uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah. So if you are interested in that, you can uh, go ahead and grab a link to get to that. Yep. I, uh, I've i been looking at getting the Apple TV. I'm, I'm somewhat, I'm somewhat, uh, I can't determine whether I want to go with that or just go with the Amazon Fire TV devices. I, I really love the one we have the the first Amazon Fire TV mm. Stick. Uh, that's what we use in our in our bedroom. And aside from it being a little sluggish, just because it's dated hardware at this point, uh, it's been a really great device. And I actually really love their interface and what they're doing with with the product. Whereas Apple, again, they're the that walled garden, and you know, I don't know. It just that starts to bother me more and more and more. Yeah, unfortunately, but. I know they do do some apps. Um, they're supposed to be getting Amazon prime. Supposedly. Oh, Who knows hurry up, let occur. it
1: out. It was, there was rumored to come out in October and that was a, that did not happen.
0: Well, it was announced. It was an agreement between Apple and Amazon that, that Amazon would start selling the Apple TV and that Apple would start putting the, the, uh, the app on their devices. But right. Um, Neither has happened, and I'm kind of disappointed. Yeah, no,
1: I'm talking about a leak that came out after that. There was some leak that this developer or somebody had said, oh, yeah, like they finally have it done. It's been done for a while, and this is the release date. And it came and went last month. Yeah, I'm very disappointed. That would make things very, my my streaming on the Apple TV very complete if I had the uh, Amazon Prime Video app.
0: Yeah. And and I think I would be much more willing to jump onto the Amazon or sorry, the Apple TV, if, if it had the Amazon prime app, but that's a huge, that's a huge missing component and it kind of keeps me away from it. Whereas the Amazon TV has everything. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing missing. Yep. So the only thing that is missing, well, I guess that's not true. So if you buy into the Apple ecosystem, like I do, and you have a home kit, the, the Apple TV acts as a home kit hub. So Uh, from my phone currently, as long as I'm at home on my Wi-Fi network, I can use all my HomeKit-enabled devices. However, once I leave the house, uh, I can no longer interact with them. And so the the Apple TV also acts as a internet-connected HomeKit hub, so that way I can actually interact with them even remotely. Um, So that's another advantage that the Apple TV provides that the Amazon TV cannot compete with, but uh, I don't know how much of a How much of a huge thing that is for me or not? I just, you know, I
1: still am on the fence. Totally. All right, that's our episode today of Coffee and Codecast. You can contact us on Twitter. Shows Twitter is at Coffee Codecast. Mike's Twitter is at Pragma Mike. P R A G M A M I K E. Pragma Mike. Kyle at Kyle P Johnson. Ask us a question at hashtag Ask Three C. Our email is coffeecodecast at gmail.com. And our temporary website is http coffeecodecast.libsyn.com. You can subscribe on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iTunes, and TuneIn. Rate us, like us, share us, and leave us a comment. Thanks for listening.